G'day and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain, oilseed and fibre markets. My name's Ethan Woolley and thanks for listening to episode 251. After a busy winter and with spring well underway, it's time again for another Mercado Quarterly Insights Report. And on this week's episode, I'm joined by Rob Herman to go over some of the key insights from our latest quarterly market insights report, which will be released this week. On top of our main commodity markets, the quarterly report also looks at the drivers in insurance, currency, cotton, sugar, and horticulture markets. It's a great read, and the Mercado team's very proud to share it with you all. For those that would like to join the mailing list for the report, please reach out to us at ask at Now, to get straight into it with some of the highlights, I'm joined by Mercado's very own Rob Herman. G'day, Rob. G'day, Ethan. Yeah, quarterly reports seem to come around quickly enough. And as usual, there's always a fair bit to talk about in markets. 100%. Well, we won't dilly-dally. We'll get straight into it. And uh, I guess we should start off with some good news on the wool front. And it seems to me that uh, the crossbred prices have rallied, Rob. Is, uh, is that they, correct? Yeah, that, that, that is correct. Um, but those people who are in the crossbred industry or have been following crossbred markets will know that uh, this has been a long time coming. Uh, the question of whether it's a rally when you come off such a low base, Ethan, um, is this a rally? I don't know, but it certainly put a bit of light into it. And I suppose... You know, looking at it, it's difficult to see the reasons for the rally, just as it was difficult to see the reasons for the collapse. But um, maybe it's a question. It's a it's a time where um, you know low prices is a good remedy for low prices. But it's welcome, and it means that um, we can clear out a bit of that crossbred wool we've been holding on to now in this um, with this little bit more demand coming through. Well, I definitely know that'll be welcome news to a lot of our listeners and those on the road who we speak to. But on the wool front, how have some of the other microns performed over the last quarter? Well, they've battled, to be honest, Ethan. It's just battling away. Um, the There's no really strong demand signals, although we keep hearing from processors and from the people overseas who are looking at these things that um, there's not big stocks of wool around. Uh, so I guess that's good, and that keeps the wool flowing through. Um, we are selling... Uh, more wool this year than last year so that's a good thing and um, the buyers are just probably I suppose they're buying hand-to-mouth just in time and the supply that's coming through is satisfying their demand but you know it is a pretty I, I noticed some of the people who write about the wool market it's getting harder and harder to write things about it Ethan because it is a fairly dull old market at the moment. <laughs> well, I know we're definitely one of those that are looking for every angle and um, I guess one of the angles we've been talking about is what the impact of the dry conditions will be on supply moving forward. Uh, have we started to see that impact? We, we're starting to see it a little bit with the increase in fine wool. So that as the season gets drier, um, the sheep have less protein and over time that finds the fibre gets finer um, because of the, the quality of the feed that's about. Um, that puts pressure on the fine wool market because, you know, more supply of fine wool puts pressure on the fine wool market. I think also we're not yet seeing it, but something that we will see down the track will be the effect of this really big slaughter number that's going through the meatworks. Um, you know, we are cutting back into the um, into the new flock. Uh, we know we've had a big growth in numbers since the drought, but um, 
you know, that's starting to cut back now as, you know, farmers are selling off a bit, a bit concerned about the season. We'll probably talk about that a bit more later on. But the dry conditions and well, any seasonal condition has a plays a part in the wool market. Um, the impact is going to be that we have more fine wool. So the premiums for fine wool will be under some sort of pressure going forward. Well, I guess it's been a bit of time since um, the wool has had that pressure in terms of the other um, commodities we follow. And another one that we do follow is is the sheep job. And uh, there's been a lot of headwinds that we know about and we've talked about a lot. Uh, it's created a bit of a perfect storm for the sheep market. But uh, j- just for those um, that, are, that might become new to the quarterly, uh, what are some of those that we've seen? Well, we do cover that in the quarterly report uh, fairly extensively this this time, Ethan, as you said. Um, look, the the perfect storm conditions, uh, in a negative sense, to be honest, right now, are uh, that we we built up supply quite dramatically post drought, and you know farmers had good seasonal conditions, they had good sheep prices, mutton prices, and lamb prices to encourage that build up, but that happened, and now we're dealing with that supply. And of course, at the same time as that big supply came on board, we were still struggling, processes were still struggling with the um, uh, staffing issues post-COVID. And we had another issue that that sort of went to demand, and that was that um, we had built up, or exporters had built up a few stocks during COVID because they were worried about supply and logistics. And, you know, we know there's a lot of interruptions at that time. They then started to, to wind that supply, that um, those stocks back and uh, that came at a time of increased supply from here so there was a whole lot of things coinciding um, and um, you know that means that we're just uh, we're just seeing the market really under pressure um, and and it's I gotta say Ethan it's been a bit bigger shock than we first thought to be honest Absolutely. And uh, I know it's taken a lot of, of producers and our subscribers a bit of time to adjust. Would you say that the the markets have adjusted to to the new level? I think um, yeah, I think they have. Um, I think we're we're going we're seeing um, you know good quality sheep, whether it be good quality mutton or good quality lambs, um, stand out in the market. Now the people who are selling those would still say that the prices are nothing like what they've seen in the last three years, but there's a quality standout issue. Um, we've also seen. And we heard from Will Barton last week on the Commodity Conversations podcast that um, we're finding new customers. And there was a really interesting Facebook post during the week from Midfield Meats down in Warrnambool. Uh, Midfield Meats are a pretty big processor of sheep and lamb and cows and everything down in Warrnambool. And uh, they've got a butcher shop beside the the abattoirs, Ethan. And um, this week they put out lamb cutlets or loin chops or something along that line for five ninety nine a kilogram. And in one day, they sold five tonnes. Now, I suspect there's quite a few people in the Warrnambool area who are eating lamb for the first time now on a result of that. And that's a bit of an indication of how demand can be stimulated by uh, when prices come back. And it tells us also, Ethan, that um, when prices are very high, which is great for our producers, um, it puts pressure on customers and uh and we do lose some. So, um, so yeah, the markets are adjusting, I think. Well, I'm a bit jealous of 599 lamb cutlets <laughs> uh, residing in Sydney myself. They're not currently that at the retail level. Um, 
But I guess like with all this in, in mind, Rob, and I know the Mikado team, we've been all over the East Coast in the last week. Uh, Olivia was up in Inverell. I was in Nevertire and you were in Echuca. And the million dollar question, Rob, that we all kept getting was when will mm. the market improve? So uh, if you had your crystal ball out, what, what, what are your thoughts? On that? Yeah, look, I, it is a crystal ball thing and, and, um, and everybody knows that's difficult to do. But I think we are seeing signs that we are either – you know, the bottom of the market is either just behind us or we're very close to it because, um, you know, there's, there's people are now starting to talk about supply post this big slaughter. And we know and in the, in the uh, quarterly report, we talk about the numbers that are going through. I mean, it's a huge impact on the flock, these numbers that are being slaughtered. So that will push things um, around a little bit in the second half of the season, which is which is the January-June period for next year. I think also uh, one thing we've noted is that a lot of lambs that were traditionally store lambs that were bought by farmers to turn out and then they finish them and grow them out, um, they, they're not going out in, in, in the same numbers as we've seen in the last couple of years. In fact, they're being processed and they're being shipped overseas and that's why we've seen these markets in the Middle East especially um, you talked about, you know, what a market's doing, Ethan. Well, our high quality and high price market, the US, is back a bit, as we put, report in the quarterly report. But um, China and the Middle East, uh, and China is now our number one market for volume, they are well up on the back of this um, extra supply of what would be seen as pretty cheap protein, I think. And. That's great news that we are welcoming in those um, those trade partners. And I guess the cheaper prices often create opportunity, but uh, it might not necessarily just be for export markets, but some of the producers as well that might have a good feed outlook. Are we seeing any of those uh, opportunities potentially at the sale yards for, for those that have had a bit of rain? Well, we're certainly seeing the opportunities there. I think the question is that whether they're being taken up or not yet. And I think you know, it's been pretty well documented that, that a lot of farmers are very nervous about a lot of things. They're nervous about the market, the the weather, El Nino gets a big run. And it's generally, and, and of course, when things are cheap, generally people who are going to buy tend to think, oh, maybe to get a little bit cheaper and, and hold off. And I think that's been happening. Uh, and that's why the processors have got a lot of those light lambs and, uh, and light mutton quite cheaply. But that's probably about to change and I think you'll see the processes start to incentivize some of these um, traders to put on lambs with forward contracts so the opportunities we think are certainly there and we've documented them on Mercado uh, Angus Brown has done some really good work on calculating out those margins on, on a number of scenarios and so I think the opportunities are there um, they're probably I think we might look back on this period Ethan and say that perhaps we should have taken up a few more of those opportunities now but um, that's the, uh, the that's the sheep and wool story. But why don't we switch across to bovine? I know you've been um, uh, looking at all that. It's been really well documented, uh, the struggles of the cattle market. We've discussed that at length, and Mercado's been all over that. Um, but in the quarterly report, we do have a, you have a look at uh, some of the positives in relation to the cattle. Can you just sort of um, flip through a couple of those ideas, Ethan? Yeah, well, we thought it's very important to, to look on the brighter side of things. Um, in, in light of what has been a bit of a downturn year for, for cattle markets. And uh, I guess one of the, the key ones that's been impacted not only by supply, but by demand issues as well, has been live export. 
Uh, in August, in the last quarter, we saw the restrictions into Indonesia and Malaysia. And um, as confirmed by the Australian government and the chief vet officer, Australia remains free of LSD or lumpy skin disease. But in saying that, with all those struggles, we still saw um, pretty good performance from live export cattle for the quarter. Indonesia, we still got 83,000 head there, which was 28% higher than quarter three last year. So um, considering the interruptions that were there, that's still a significant result to have growth. Um, but as many of those who are who are in the live export game will know, it's still lower than the five-year average. But uh, And currently, they are rejecting cattle with skin lesions, so it still is going to impact growth. But uh, talking about growth is a good thing, I think. Um, we've also seen that live export overall is up. It's up 15% year on year. And Vietnam in particular, they're, they're back with a vengeance in 2023. And their quarter three this year was 91% higher than last year's. So um, it's been a significant destination uh, in recent history. So it's good to see that they're back again. Another good news story, I guess, for the cattle market has been the US beef export growth, which we've seen. So beef exports to the US uh, up till September are 24% higher than the total annual exports in 2022. So we're shifting significant volumes over there, about 160,000 tonnes so far this year. And that's really important because we have this um, significant supply and the US at the same time is running up with lower supply. So that's been opportune timing and we're taking advantage of it on the export front. The Aussie dollar as well has been putting us at the front of the queue. It's been around a 64 cent mark and um, some of the big banks are projecting it to get to around 66 cents in December. Either way, that's still pretty affordable for the US to be buying from us. And as we know, they love their beef and they've got a bit of a structural change to their herd happening at the moment. So that's going to be a more medium term thing to lend support to the, to the industry. Uh, good, good summary there on the cattle job, uh, Ethan. Um, I also just to comment on the uh, quarterly report. Um, it's really I know we talk about the big um, broad acre commodities in our conversations here, but uh, in the commodity report, um, we also uh, in the quarterly report we also cover cotton, uh, cover finance, cover uh, insurance, uh, interest rates, and uh, and this week also cover uh, tomatoes and capsicums, which is a really uh, a novel uh, market commentary. I don't think we see much more of that around, but um, I digress, Ethan. So let's go back to um, our broadacre commodities. I just want to talk a bit about the grain. On the grain front, we've seen globally, we've had wheat prices trending downward, you know, and there's been a whole lot of activity globally that's that's sort of thrown things into a bit of confusion. But Australian prices remain pretty strong. What's What's the take on that? So as we all know, there, there's a number of factors that would typically contribute to volatility and that sort of positive price pressure. We're seeing all these conflicts around the globe that are going to impact trade flows and logistics. Um, there's also tight global supplies for grain. And um, the last few years, demand has outstripped supply. And uh, as a result, carryover stocks for the main grain exporters are tight. But even with all that being said, there is so much Russian wheat on the market at the moment and it's being pushed out relatively cheaply that it is really putting downward pressure on pricing. Um, so Europe and the Ukraine have also had to compete at that price point. So there's a lot of nearby supply in the, in the Northern hemisphere that's uh, weighing on, on wheat markets currently. 
And as to why we're not um, following that trend, well, the dry conditions here have seen revisions to the winter crop. Um, that is going to impact yields and uh, the, the local demand as well, potentially for feeding livestock as well, is going to impact uh, not only wheat, but a lot, number of crops. But in saying that, it's still going to be a significant crop. The winter crop is going to be 25 million metric tonnes. Um, the wheat crop is still very significant. At, at the meantime, um, that Russian supply has really got a force down on, on prices. So the other big news, I suppose, in this last quarter was the, in August when we saw the removal of the anti-dumping tariff that China had imposed on Australian barley. We know that was a, a real problem for our barley sales globally. It just took out one of the biggest um, players. What's been the reaction to that tariff coming off? In the meantime, since the, the tariff began, um, Chinese demand um, for consumer beer markets has grown. So um We've come in and, and demand for malt will be high. And we've seen locally that the barley pricing continues to rise. Um, it's averaging about $35 a tonne higher than the five-year average. So you can say it's been a, a, a good reaction on the pricing front for those with barley. And there's some other fundamentals that will probably improve pricing um, for those with barley in the short term as well. The USDA um, has put out figures that suggest barley carryover stocks are at their lowest in over 30 years. We also know that dry season this year, um, we're going to be below the 10-year uh, average in terms of production in Australia, and we're producing about 26% less than last year. So there's going to be a bit of supply pressure adding to prices, as well as increased demand on the Chinese front. So all in all, for those with barley and selling barley, it's, it's looking like a pretty healthy way to come back into to the market after after the tariff. One of the things we've we've noted on Mercado is, is this volatility around grains and oil seeds. I mean, it's it's been heightened. We know all about that uh, with the um, Ukraine crisis. Uh, who knows how much more heat in that volatility will come from what's happening in the Middle East now. Um, but canola is one of those crops in recent years that has been subject to volatility. Is that continuing with canola this year or is our tighter season here with a re bit of a reduced supply, flattening things out? Well, that'll definitely impact things. The Australian canola production is tipped by A bears to be about 41% lower year on year. Um, and that's really just been driven by the dry conditions, particularly in WA and uh, South Australia. Um, so, and it just hasn't got those late season rains to, to give that yield an extra bump. But we've also seen that Europe, our, our major markets, also well supplied by their own harvest. So despite some of the major exporters having less to export out, where we would likely be sending our canola, um, they seem to be pretty pretty tidy at the moment. Currently, it seems to be evening out um, those fundamentals of less demand but less supply. Well, that sounds great, Ethan. Um, as, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the quarterly report is quite extensive. Um, we draw on a lot of information, and as I said, this this one we, for the horticulture section, we've included capsicum and tomatoes. Um, really interesting. Cotton gets a mention. Uh, there's a lot in it. So um, congratulations to all those who contribute to the quarterly report. I know there are a lot of people who reference it when I'm travelling around. Um, it's been great chatting today, Ethan. It's always uh, it's funny how there's always plenty to say about commodity markets. Absolutely. No, thanks again for your time, Rob. And uh, yeah, look forward to sharing the quarterly with you all.